Hi, everyone, and welcome to First State Insights, a podcast presented by the University of Delaware's Institute for Public Administration. We call ourselves IPA for short. My name is Troy Mix. I'm Associate Director at IPA and your host for this episode. This is another Freight Friday edition of First State Insights, brought to you through a partnership of IPA and the Delmarva Freight Working Group an ongoing transportation planning and economic development partnership coordinated by IPA, the Delaware Department of Transportation, and Delaware's three metropolitan planning organizations, the Dover-Kent County MPO, the Salisbury-Wicomico MPO, and WMAPCO. I'm back with part two of my conversation with Eric Johnson. He's senior editor of technology at the Journal of Commerce, where he leads coverage and analysis of technology's impact on global logistics and trade. In part one of our discussion, we focused on efforts to map the core technologies of the logistics sector. Part two focuses on how businesses and consumers, everyone from trucking companies to holiday gift givers, interact with logistics tech in the wild. Let's get to the conversation. In terms of seeing these in the wild, in different environments, I guess, you know, first of all, kind of in the popular press, people are worried about their, you know, holiday gifts arriving on time, for example. How are we already experiencing parts on the map? How is the map kind of helping us know more about what's going to arrive on time, be more secure that the predictions are going to come true? What's kind of helping our, our Christmas be successful on the log tech map, so to speak? Yeah, that's good. I, that's a great question. I, the, uh, I, you know, if, if you follow me at all, you know, I feel like the Christmas is canceled uh, kind of. <laughs> Rhetoric is a little over overstated. I, you know, I'll answer that by saying the most fascinating technologies for me, so aimed at people in the logistics industry, so ops people, is sort of the plumbing stuff. It's not the exciting stuff. It's not maps, not bots. I think the things that are connecting systems together and foundational kind of pieces that enable people to do their job better when even though they aren't necessarily apparent to even a a, a logistics team's customers are the most important things that are going on right now. They're also the hardest things to sort of describe and visually represent to someone. Now that's within the industry. Now you take on the, the consumer who's reading about a supply chain crisis in the New York times or the LA times, and they're that much more removed. They're not just being asked to understand the plumbing. They're they're being asked to understand the plumbing of a building they can't even see. So my answer is that all of these tools are, in effect, helping deliver the things that they are concerned are not going to be delivered. You know, everyone interacts these days with some sort of delivery tool with through Amazon or UPS or USPS where you're, you know, you're checking on your arrival. You have automated alerts. All of those things are empowered by these types of technologies that are that are on the back end of the service providers that are piping in information about where a vessel might be, uh, predictive ETA about when a, a truck is due to arrive at a, a sorting facility, alerts about weather or other you know disruptive issues that might complicate the delivery time based on what was initially promised. So every single piece. Every single logo on the LogTech map is essentially part, parts of it will be involved in almost every delivery that gets made to your doorstep or to a store that you shop at. Maybe with the exception of 
I should say from a consumer perspective, you're not even seeing all of the, all of the, the way those logos empower industrial supply chains that you rely upon and you don't even think about how you rely upon. Like where the consumer is only just sort of understanding the impact of consumer products that it buys and it, and all the upstream kind of processes that go into that. They have absolutely no sense. Even with through this, you know, this whole year of supply chain on the front page of every newspaper and digital, you know, media outlet, they still have no idea, you know, about the industrial impact. Maybe the microchip issue and, and, you know, cars not being available might be the only thing that they could kind of pull from. But every other industrial issue is way out of their scope of thought, honestly. But the, but the map is those companies on the map are either directly or they're, you know, complementary to things that are directly facilitating all of these goods. So everything. They're, they're, every company on that map is responsible for delivering Christmas presents to someone. <laughs> Santa's taking on a whole new picture here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those elves are, those elves are using some pretty sophisticated stuff. These days. You know, closer to home, at least for the work I'm engaged in, in Delaware, which is kind of public sector planning perspective. And, you know, one thing we think about a lot is kind of operators. So the truck driver or, you know, maybe the engineer on a short line railroad, how does the map interact with them kind of, you know, in the cab, uh, so to speak? What are the elements? They're clearly getting information from a lot of the players on the map, but are there parts of this that are more important for them? So let me first address the rail piece. If I look back, I would have to say the lack of rail technology is... So first of all, there's less rail technology than in any other mode. And, you know, it makes sense to a certain degree why it's... There's not a lot of companies to sell into if you are building a, you know, rail optimization suite. Like you have a very limited number of customers and... And oftentimes they are really competing with no one. So they're not necessarily inclined to invest as well. So that is a big thing that's missing on this map. And, and that's something that we need to address at some point, especially like the data that comes out of the, the railroad. So I'll sort of give myself an excuse for not having a good answer on the, on the railroad piece of this. On the truck side, one area that we definitely address because I was seeing it as a major area of innovation right now is technology that enables either independent operators or small carrier fleets, all the way up to the largest fleet in North America to sort of optimize the way that they do a number of processes. Now, if you're a big fleet with hundreds, or if not thousands of trucks, you know, the, the, the network, planning your network and deploying your assets in the right place is a huge and complicated puzzle. So you're going to be using one type of software. If you run a, a fleet with three trucks, you have totally different concerns. And it may be way more basic around dispatch and invoicing and uh, just managing your business, right? That, and, and tapping into loads that you ordinarily wouldn't have access to outside of a load port. So there's a whole group of technology providers that are that are trying to empower especially that that long tail of trucking in the US. And that to me is not just important for the trucker, 
it's important for the shipper and the broker that needs that space on the truck, right? Because now you are, all of those companies are essentially getting, being able to structure their capacity in another system that has not been available before outside of posting a load on a few load books, right? Now you have visibility into where those small fleets are and whether they're available on a, on a lot more structured way. And so like for the, you know, novice <laughs> viewpoint here, like this is the Uber freights of the world in part in terms of accessing the, the truck, but then there's whole Shopify back office kind of, of like, you need to do a lot more than just have a truck uh, to run a trucking business. For example, you need to access loads, things like that. Yeah. So it, it, interesting you bring up Uber Freight, because I think what's happened is you have, you had a bunch of quote unquote digital brokers emerge in the last, you know, five, six, seven years ago, very heavily VC backed, venture capital backed. And the idea was what small drivers, small carriers and independent drivers needed was an app to be able to access a load similar to the way a person who has nothing to do during the day and wants to drive around the city and needs to find someone to pick up, right? That was, I mean, it was basically a one-to-one -one type of arrangement. There's obviously way more complexity and there's lots more commercial kind of complication in terms of finding a truck for a load that you have available. And what, what's happened is there's a, the, the companies I was referring to are actually in some ways a response to the digital brokers because they are not trying to be brokers in as much as they are trying to create kind of an operating system for small carriers that in some ways mimics what you can do in Uber Freight. You know, you're making your capacity available to a digital system, but it also does those things you talked about. It, it helps you do accounting. It helps you provide visibility to your trucks, to your established customers. It allows you to create digital invoices. It allows you to do digital proof of delivery, right? All these things that are intended to make a small carrier or independent operator's lives just a lot easier because they're running their businesses while they're in their cab a lot of times. And I guess kind of, I don't know if an elephant is a big thing in the supply chain logistics world, but the elephant in the room is kind of the current supply chain stress or uh, crisis, whatever you want to call it. So we don't have a ton of time here, but what's the like one minute crash course on what's going on and how bad is it at the moment? So I don't want to minimize it. It's really, really bad in historical terms, especially on the international side. I think on the domestic side, it's bad, but there've been times where it's been a really constrained environment. On the international side, this is as bad as it's been from a congestion, from a lead time of supply chain perspective. And it's all really due to transportation constraints, right? This is not a supply chain issue so much as a freight transportation, like sclerosis, basically. We are trying to fit way too many goods ordered into way too small a pipe, essentially. And so while... I don't want to minimize this in any way because this is really historic levels of sclerosis, essentially. But the reality is things are on shelves. Goods are moving slower than they have been. We have a lot of choice as consumers. 
My my running joke is we only have 125 breakfast cereals to choose from instead of 150, right? Like that's our that's our major crisis right now. And there will be items out of stock from time to time because of this. But we don't have a crisis of scarcity. We have a crisis of abundance right now. I think that's the thing to keep in mind. And, and it's not going to go on forever. It will take a long time to unwind all of this, but it won't, we cannot keep up this pace of consumption, you know, forever. And, and, the, and the, the networks will rebound and people get paid money to manage this. And they, I can tell you, you know, a lot of the stories are, and a lot of small business owners are feeling the pinch really badly. And I don't want to, you know, in any way undercut the pain they're feeling. But the people I talk to who are managing supply chains are a lot more calm and relaxed than you might imagine. They are not tearing their hair out. They're not getting angry. They're not screaming and shouting. They're just doing what they do, which is they problem solve and they figure out ways to get goods from one point to another. So just keep, I would just keep that in mind to people who, as you're reading stories that are legitimately about historic congestion and historic backlogs and sky high rates, that you know, people, people are professionals. They're, they're pretty good at their jobs and they, they know what they're doing and they know this is a historic crisis, but they still, they're, they're keeping their wits about them. Does the crisis in your mind kind of validate the map? I mean, does it say that what these firms are doing is important and there's a real demand both to kind of clear things up and do what you can to prevent these kinds of things in the future? Yeah, I think, I think the map is valid, whether the, the pandemic and the resulting kind of demand shock have, is is uh, ha- had happened or not. This stuff would have happened. I think it just has accelerated the, the need. I think, I don't know how many companies are actually able to take on big kind of technology transformation challenges right now. But I know that this period is serving as a catalyst for them to examine what they need to do when things calm down a bit. And, and it may be that they don't need to do a whole lot. And others, it may may mean they need to really do sort of a full reboot. If nothing else, it's brought into stark relief where inefficiencies lie. And, and you know, I think the, the amount of capital flowing into all of these companies, not just startups, but like we've seen, we've seen Blue Yonder get acquired for $7 billion. We've seen Llamasoft get acquired for $1.5 billion. We've seen Blue Jay Solutions get acquired for one point something there's a lot more consolidation happening too. The reason those those dollar figures are so high is because these systems are really meaningful and they really make a difference in terms of preparing and kind of wading through uh, situations like this. Well, I had a bit of a supply chain crisis at the grocery store the other day. There was only pumpkin spice cream cheese available which might've just been because it was Sunday evening, but I'm, I'm gonna learn to be calm, as you said, and realize there's a lot of choices out there. I could go Monday and probably find some, but it's a good perspective. I appreciate your view of the industry and taking time to kind of unpack this map that you and colleagues prepared, but thanks a lot for joining me, Eric. Oh, thanks, Troy, I really appreciate it. It was great to talk. To track Eric's reporting and analysis, subscribe to the LogTech Letter at ericjohnson.substack.com or follow him on Twitter at LogTechEric. If you missed part one of our conversation, search for First State Insights wherever you get podcasts. For a live opportunity to learn more about logistics technology, join for Eric's keynote presentation at the December 2021 Delmarva Winter Freight Meeting. 
You can find event details on IPA's website at ipa.udel.edu. Thanks for tuning in to this special Freight Friday edition of First State Insights. Reach out with comments, subscribe to the podcast, and tune in again soon. Take care.